just just say one word. Flugtag. All right, Flugtag. go, Austin. <laughs> Flugtag. <laughs> it's it's been ein Flugtagen. <laughs> this is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Roundtable. And joining me as usual is the indefatigable Lee Ray. Here. <laughs> Not so indefatigable today, are you? Well, it's like I wasn't sure if you were talking about me or Terry, so I was just waiting for you to say who it was. <laughs> well, how about this? We also have the intrepid Terry Dunn. Good morning. And joining us, a very special guest, we have Flight Test's very own Austin Fury. Hey, Austin. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for joining us today. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, we see that uh, Park Zone has a new P-47. And uh, guess what? It's 1.2 meters. Do you guys see that already? Well, I already have to correct you. It's not a park zone. No? We oh. talked about this at our, one of our previous podcasts. It's now everything's being switched over to E-Flight. They're, you know, park zone's going bye-bye, but it is the, the new and improved park zone. How's that? <laughs> okay, yeah, old habits die hard. That's going to be a tough one, tough mental hurdle to get over. All right, so what do you think about it? It's uh, got a lot of detail. The photos make it look a lot bigger than 1.2. <laughs> like they've just got this low angle shot here. But wow, I mean, I have the Park Zone P47 and I like it a lot. Very stable. Uh, some trouble with landing because the gear is probably not in the right position. But uh, th it flies really well. So I, I was glad to see that E-Flight uh, decided to continue the tradition. And it's a Razorback instead of the Thunderbolt. So, you know, it's a little different version. Oh, yeah. The bubble canopy. It's Razorback instead of Bubble? That's correct. Yeah. Now, you said you have the original one. Did it have retracts and flaps and all the other gizmos? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Terry. <laughs> uh, I, on Craigslist, our Craigslist comment. <laughs> I was saying, uh, I, I, I bought this uh, kit, and as soon as I got it, they discontinued wow. it. So I'm glad I got my hands on it, because a lot of guys at the field liked it. But it, it did not come with retracts. So, uh, you know, the E-Flight retracks were very expensive like close to 100 bucks so i just happened across a guy who dorked his thunderbolt and had it up for sale on craigslist so i got a really inexpensive pair of retracks and i do like them it, it certainly helps um you know i'm a grass flyer so i don't need them and as i mentioned earlier i don't think the gear is far enough forward um, she flies great with the cg as it is but when she lands she tends to want to nose over and i know a couple other people have had that similar problem but, uh, you know, this one, the new Razorback, I mean, it's fully equipped. It comes with flaps and retracts, so very impressive. Austin, um, I don't know if you caught a little quip there. We've been kind of joking in the past few podcasts about uh, the size of the Horizon Hobbies 1.2-meter uh, planes. They seem to be making a, a big deal that their planes are not 1.2 meters, as Lee will attest. And uh, do you have any insight on maybe why that's such a big deal now? Uh, you know, honestly, I have, I have no idea. Um, they, I do have to say it's a, it's a huge airplane. Um, they've been putting out a ton of, of, of really good size airplanes. Um, one thing I'm really impressed about with um, this plane and, and some of other Horizons planes in general is that I can tell that they're really trying to work on their pricing. Um, you know, they've been kind of known for 
um, kind of being that that top top shelf, especially as far as our foamies go. Um, but I mean, if I'm looking at the right one, two sixty nine, you know, for uh for the the bind and fly. I mean, I that's a heck of a lot of airplane for for two sixty nine in my opinion. I agree. Now what? Now whether or not that's going to fit in your car well, as you, you know, as you're uh, um, heading to the flying field, it's another another story. It depends what you're driving, but. That looks it's a good, really good looking airplane, and that's that's honestly a lot of airplane for two sixty nine. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a good size, about forty something inches. So I think for most cars, that shouldn't be a problem. Just cram in there somehow, and uh, it does come with a lot of ordnance. I see that's was pretty neat. So it looks pretty mean looking as far as P forty sevens go. So it seems like the the standard for I don't know if I'd call this a park flyer, but these one point two meter ish size planes is trending towards much more complex airplanes than we saw say five years ago where if you want to compare this to the park zone t28 which was just a four channel yank and bank airplane i think you're looking at a very different model now and i wonder is that the future are we going to have you know 10 channel 1.2 meter planes as the norm in five years and what else can they add? What, what's after flaps and retracts? Because I'll be honest, I, I doubt this airplane needs flaps. I'm sure it's just a novelty. The retracts are cool, though. I mean, I have flaps on mine, and I don't use them. I, again, it's more of a novelty. Now, I was looking at the wing ordnance, and I, gosh, it, I, I really thought those bombs were um, were re- removable, like that they dropped. Like maybe it was another channel. I don't see that in the description, so maybe it's an option, and it's you know it's not there yet. So I can imagine them going up to five or six channels, and and doing and kind of per pushing buyers to want to upgrade their plane and upgrade their equipment so they can push a six channel type aircraft. Yeah, um, I had kind of the same thought. My thought was, do the bomb drops really is on command? Apparently they don't. I looked into it too, and to answer Terry, that would be another thing to have actual. A little more gimmickies, such as bomb drop, belly tank drop, uh, pilot ejection. (laughs) (laughs) A P-47 didn't have an ejection seat. So you'd have to release the canopy and then... Well, there are your other channels. That's two more right there. Well, well, yeah. Well, they have the safe. Maybe like the the bailout mode where you press a button, the plane flips inverted, the canopy pops out, the pilot just falls out. He's got to pull the ripcord, too. Pull the ripcord, yeah. That's a whole other servo. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, uh, me, I'm kind of a minimalist, so I appreciate simple airplanes. I can see the allure of all the different gizmos, but to me, they tend to wear thin pretty quickly. But that's just a personal uh, preference. I'm just the opposite. I love gimmicks, so the more gimmicks, the better. Well, yeah, and I think you're probably more in line with the mainstream, which would explain why all the new planes have this stuff. So. I'm going to guess that the first thing a lot of people are going to do is probably replace that prop. Oh, the guess. scale four-blader? Yeah, I don't know. It looks great, but not sure how yeah. it's going to Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I saw some flight video of it, and it tooled around pretty good, but you, you could tell that you could, you definitely would pick up some speed if you went to a nice two-blader with high-pitch prop or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that's one thing I did catch as far as, you know, if I were to replace my Thunderbolt, the power... Uh, seemed a lot more in this Razorback version in the in the Park Zone Thunderbolt, and obviously it's bigger, so they put a bigger motor, and I I liked that. You know, I mine mine shuffles around pretty well. I mean, it's well, it's not completely scale like, but it, it's nice. But I wouldn't mind having something with a little bit more power stock. 
Power's good. <laughs> so, Austin, do you have any Warbird aircraft this size? Do you do you tend to fly this, or are you more of a multi-rudder guy? Um, currently, I'm definitely more of a multi-rudder guy. Um, I've been flying um, uh, more multi-rudders than anything, I would say, for the past six months. But um, I definitely enjoy, uh, you know, flying the... Um, I, t I typically fly... Um, you know, whatever's whatever's laying around the shop, you know, so we get a lot of stuff in for review and a lot of it never really makes it onto the show. So there's usually a lot to uh, there's usually a lot to fly around here. And I don't have any particular affinity for for warbirds for flying those. Um, you know, honestly, I like uh, um, I really like gliders. I like stuff that, um, uh, you know, this is kind of like a little bit more relaxed flying. Um, it seems like I'm either trying to you know, fly as fast as I can, you know, flying something FPV or multi-rotor or doing the exact opposite with an airplane. Well, it must be awful to be working at flight tests where you just have to look around and go, what do I want to fly today? <laughs> I guess I'll well, fly that new thing. Well, a big a big myth around here is that, uh, is that I think that people think there's a lot more flyable around here than there really is. <laughs> well, I guess the question is who who gets their hands on their planes first and, and then leaves them to in pieces for the next guy? <laughs> you know, it depends on who's there when the package comes in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> dibs! Dibs! I'm flying this first! <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Right. So, Lee... We talked a lot about the FAA Part 107 stuff last time, and there has been a, a, a little tweak to that since then. So can you cover that for us? I can, but I bet Austin might have more insight into that because he's the uh, he's a multi-rotor FPV guy. But it appears the AMA has you know, given the green light to all, I guess it's members only, that FPV is fine and dandy and don't worry about it. So that's my very brief <laughs> Hundred words or less report on that. So, Austin, do you have any uh, personal insight on that? The AMA's uh, recent letter. Uh, honestly, no. I have I have none whatsoever. <laughs> I, have, oh. I have no insight there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I actually I, I was unaware of that. I wasn't aware of that update. So I'll have to oh. I'll have to educate myself on that a little bit. We have informed uh, one you one listener. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. My <laughs> job here is complete. Uh, I'll feel a little bit less like an outlaw when I fly this afternoon. Uh, okay, so here's the, the, the letter. I'll try to just jump to the main sections. Uh, the title of the document is AMA members may continue flying FPV. And the first sentence is we are writing to address some recent confusion as to whether the new federal community Commercial Drone Rules, SUAS Rule Part 107, impacts AMA members and model aircraft enthusiasts who fly for recreational and educational purposes. We would like to reaffirm that Part 107 does not change anything for AMA members. As an AMA member, you are exempt from the additional regulations in Part 107 as long as you are flying for recreation or educational purposes and fully comply with AMA's safety guidelines. So. Keep going down. It talks about if you have a spotter, if you're at an event, yada, yada. We're still fighting in court. Um, that's it. And it says, we encourage all AMA members to continue flying and enjoying your hobby as you have before. So they are... Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> and you know what? Some people might say, well, you can say that, but it doesn't stop the government from then doing something else illegal and just you know changing that again. But they're giving us some kind of confidence that they are working on it. And in fact, they also made an announcement concerning a new FAA representative for the FAA, as they call it, a high-level advisory committee team. 
who will represent the AMA in future FAA regulations. So maybe, you know, they are working at to start separating the hobby. So Wait, say that again? A new AMA rep or a new FAA rep? It's Well, it's an AMA member who's going to be working with the FAA. Okay, gotcha. And like I said, they're, they didn't name a person, but... Yeah, they're more like named right. a position, I guess. And I don't want to get us down another FAA rabbit hole, but did you guys see the, the thing from the Interdrone conference where the Amazon guy was doing a, a pitch and he says, we need to set um, model aircraft off to pre-designated areas. So rather than now where you're pretty much, you can fly anywhere except where they say not to, he wants it to be, you can only fly in places that are specifically designated. Yeah, because Amazon needs to deliver stuff, you know. And we're in their way. And that, yeah, you you are insignificant. So I hope I don't have to boycott Amazon like I boycotted Walmart. No, I didn't boycott Walmart. I should take that back. Well, I want I'm, to boycott Walmart. We have a guest here, and I know, you know, we want to use all his knowledge and experience, and especially when it comes to multi-rotors, because I know that's one of the dealings we have with Part 107. But, Austin, is there anything that you're hearing uh, recently or, or any discussions that you can you're privy to that you can share with us about you know concerns like this like regulating the airspace where they want you to fly such as like that yeah um i i sat in on a um uh as a speaking session i was at i was at a ea air venture um about a month ago now and uh or gosh a little bit more than that um Time really flies, um, but it was it was one of the the main UAV guys from the FAA, um, and it was uh, a couple other um, industry leaders. And it was basically talking about you know how we're gonna share the skies, and you know how um, you know commercial and hobbyists and um, people that are um, you know flying autonomously, you know how how can we all share the skies in a in a responsible way, and um, you know basically that just the the understanding was is that um you know every single segment that i just mentioned which is the hobby segment which is the commercial segment and the autonomous segment you know those are all growing um you know and there's really not much that's going to stop any of those segments from growing and so it's really what we got to do is we got to take you know a hard look at you know how things are how things are done currently um you know hobbyists um, and autonomous flight you know, need to yield demand flight. Um, that's what it boils down to is, is, you know, people that are actually aboard um, an airplane and has something to, to lose and something to risk, you know, that obviously those, that needs to come first. Um, but that being said, you know, our, our skies are a really big place. Um, and I think that there's a place for everybody. Um, I think it's going to take a while for it all to, to shake out to a point where everybody's reasonably happy. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of drama until then, <laughs> but um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of smart people and, um, uh, you know, and working for, for Amazon, working for our government through the FAA, you know, working in the hobby sector, um, and I think it's good, um, that recent announcement that we saw with the, with the AMA, you know, getting appointed to a to committee to discuss a lot of these very things we're talking about. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good for, you know, the AMA to represent the interests of the people that are just doing this for fun. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, making sure that we preserve, uh, what needs to be preserved, um, in order for this to be, you know, safe. So, um, I think we're going to get there. It's just going to take a little while. I just hope there's not too much fallout to, on the <laughs> yeah. path there. I, I totally agree. 
So the Dromeda company has decided that instead of just producing quads, they like to start producing airplanes. And uh, they have a new park flyer or backyard flyer called the Voyager. Thing has only got 20-inch wingspan. And I should mention that both Terry and I have one on our bench that we've been looking at. And uh, Oh, man. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling left out? I don't know. You want a cookie? Continue. <laughs> and <laughs> like, let me lose my train of thought now. What train? You were never we're on talking a train. About stuff. You've been derailed this entire episode. Well, I haven't had breakfast, so I'm thinking cookies and food. And, okay. and, and certainly not planes. <laughs> the topic is things that Fitz and Terry have that Lee does not. Yes. Continue. You know what be a good idea? An edible plane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, I, it has a new chocolate park flyer. Yes. You can tell I'm hungry. <laughs> I, I want no part of this. <laughs> we have to have a little, little sub-episode where just Lee. Tea, lightweight tea with Lee. waffle structure. Yes. So it's a, it comes a, as an all-rated fly package. Transmitter, plane, battery, charger. Well, actually, the charger is integrated into the transmitter. So you just plug it in and wait for the little light to go out and you're ready to go fly. All foam. It's actually got some pretty nice details to it. You got some panel lines. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good replication of the old Stinson Voyager. And uh, I got a chance to fly it a little bit. Have you flown yours, Terry? I have. I've only been able to fly it in winds where I shouldn't have been flying it, but it flies. <laughs> and it, well, so does a brick if you throw it hard enough. <laughs> Here's our review. Right. We have the the Dromeda Voyager, and we've flown it, and that's it. <laughs> and Fitz thinks it tastes great. It's mm, technically yes. ra- rated by the FAA as a flying vehicle. Uh, yeah, it's over the threshold. Oh, is it really? No, I'm sorry. It's not. It's a two-ouncer. I'm I thinking didn't... of some other model I just got. Yeah, I didn't so, think yeah, so. Yeah, this one was not registerable. Yeah, well, you got a 3S2100 in that thing. <laughs> hey, that's an idea. There you go. That'll help with the wind. Uh, your glide ratio just went through the floor. <laughs> now, one thing that I thought was interesting is that the, the advertisements for it point out that it's a four-channel radio, but it's a three-channel airplane. So I half expected to find ailerons on it, but it's just better elevator and throttle. Yeah. It's got a little single-cell battery, brushed motor. Uh, although for what it is, if you don't fly it in gale force winds, it's actually not too bad. I, I had a chance to fly it, I think, uh, when the wind had settled down early evening and it was actually pretty responsive. I coaxed the loop out of it. Uh, did some ROG takeoff and touch and goes and, and generally speaking, it's a pretty nice little plane. Yeah. And I think it follows a, a very proven ultra micro platform. So the nice high wing and brush motor, but it's got plenty of power and plenty of control. And what I liked about it most so far is that it's a very clean-looking build. It, at least my example is. The the paint is really good on it. Even the stickers were put on pretty well. Usually they have a lot of wrinkles and stuff. So aesthetically, this one seems to stand out. Yeah, it's got a really nice finish. The, the, the surface of the foam, the detailing, uh, and uh, also the uh, accents. It's, it's a really nice. I was a little worried about having a brushed motor. I was like, eh, this thing can have a power to get out of its own way. But actually, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty decent. Yeah, and I'm doing a little something different with mine that requires more power. Oh. I can't tell you what it is yet, but 
there is a surplus of power. Oh, <laughs> that I look forward to. The rest will be revealed. Uh, yes, uh, I think we'll both have eventually have some sort of uh, uh, summary and, and review of it that we'll post in our usual locations. Do either of you Correct. have the Hobby Zone champ? The original? No. No, I've flown other people's, but I've never owned one. Can you compare the flight characteristics of the champ versus this? I would. I recall the champ being more nimble. Um, this one, it flies fine and has plenty of control authority, but it's not as, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's not as maneuverable as I recall the champ being. But don't take my word for mm. it. I haven't flown one in a while. See, I, I think for me, I because I've flown the Champ and because it's compatible with my Spectrum transmitter, um, I, I don't know. For ten dollars more, I think I just stick with the Champ because it looks to be the same. I think the wingspan's the same. I got all my gear for that. It, there's seem to be a lot of people who who can who well at least I've been able to get many more parts for mine. So kind of curious what what failure. What common failure point will be with this Dramata Voyager that needs to be replaced often? There's not much to break and not much mass. Uh, I I don't predict any sort of issue with it. Well, I know that. Like, and I, I should also mention that while you mentioned that the Champ is the DSM and DSMX whatever compatible, the the Voyager is compatible with tactic radios. Who so flies I'm tactic? Actually, this guy. <laughs> Not exclusively, but I use it for a lot of my, probably most of my park flyers. Well, more precise, it's SLT compatible. So that's tactic, and also my high tech can transmit is compatible with that. Exactly. Yeah. So th there's a, a range there. And also the any links are still valid. Correct. I'm still right. so, I'm speaking. So you're not stuck with that transmitter that it comes with, which it works, but it's not my favorite. Once you've used a, a normal transmitter, it's hard to to get used to those smaller ready-to-fly type things. Hmm. Well. So, and now that I've switched transmitters, the integrated battery charger is not as much of a feature that I care for. Well, yeah. But I think it's a, one of the standard micro connectors that you can use with a lot of other chargers. It, yeah, I, I need to go through my stash. I think I have a USB-powered charger that'll work for it. What I like on Austin's Champ 1 or V1 that it came with a an external charger, which I know that's one other thing to carry, but we we modified it so that we could put bigger batteries in because it used, the way the 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 original charger was it slid down on the side because kind of there was a groove that you'd slide the 150 in, and for some other brands it didn't quite fit, so we actually moved the the connector out and I guess I epoxied it up, up top so you would actually be able to put different size batteries on there but it's very convenient so he can always sit there and just charge a battery somewhere while he's flying and then just turn around and swap batteries and then start charging it so with the transmitter one i don't have a big problem with it but i do find the convenience of having an external battery charger that that uses four double a's yeah i can see that i kind of wish the champ s plus had that feature it doesn't. It's it's an AC-powered charger. Now, you can just use whatever charger you want and buy the adapter. But I, I was like, because it's a 2S now, 
I, I wish they had made something else that you could, you know, quickly use, or at least to have a, a converter cable come with it so you could plug it into like a 12-volt lighter. But I digress. Back to the Voyager. Uh, oh, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having to do a comparison. I don't have one of these. There's not one on my desk. No one's shipped me one. So, <laughs> oh, no, so I have I to only it. judge by viewing only. Um, but, and it, you know, to me, it looks like it's, you know, direct comparison from Champ. So. Hmm. But I'm Yeah, it's a prettier version of the Champ. You don't like the orange? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. They're fine. I, I'm just trying to take stabs. On that interesting note, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, as I mentioned before, we have a special guest, uh, Austin Fury from Flight Test. And uh, Austin, where are you calling from, by the way? Uh, I'm calling from uh, the Flight Test office here. We're um, uh, about an hour south of Cleveland in Ohio. Ah, so uh, what do you do with Flight Test? Um, I've uh, worked at Flight Test for about four years now. Um, I was... Uh, um, Probably, yeah, I think it was the third hire here. So um, Josh Bixler, the general manager, was hired first. Um, Alex Zavada, who's our creative director, was hired second. And then I, I guess you could say I'm the business manager, business development manager, um, do a lot of our marketing stuff. Um, so just kind of, in general, uh, keep the keep the place running in any way I can help out. I'm sure it's running very well. I've, I've been watching you guys since early on. So what do you say? It's six years now or five years? Um, that's a great question. I, I think that we've been, um, I think we've been creating content for about five and a half years now, maybe, maybe, maybe six years now. Time sure flies. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I just had a feeling when I first watched the, the early videos that it was going to catch on and I, I've enjoyed this ride. So you've, you must've been doing a great job because I, I don't know of anyone who doesn't know what flight test is, who's involved in this industry. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, we try to, um, we try to be, a, you know, a real resource for, for people that, um, you know, are looking for, you know, just entertainment or some education around, you know, the, the hobby and the, the, really just the experience of flight, you know, as we, we really, you know, consider ourselves a, you know, a flight company. And even though a lot of what we do is RC, um, you know, we're, we're all really passionate flight enthusiasts. And so, um, you know, we, we do angle a little bit towards the beginner, um, just because there's a infinite amount of beginners out there, and um, you know we try to be. You know, up until you know recently, it used to be you know you kind of had to know somebody you know that was in RC that was doing RC stuff to really to really be able to get into it, um, and uh, you know because there's so many nuances as you guys know, um, there's so many um, little things that could make it a bad experience for you. So something that we we try to do and something we try to think about a flight test is, is how can we be that person that somebody knows um, that's in the hobby and how can we how can we help them along and kind of remove some of those those roadblocks that, that people hit um, that get them frustrated or make them want to quit. Well, and I watched, I guess I was a little surprised. You know, I've, I'm a huge Oshkosh fan and I'm so jealous of you being able to go to that event. I've I keep promising myself to go every year. I, I've not been able to go, um, but I, the presence you guys had out at EAA, where were you guys located? 
during the event? Because for me, I've never thought about flying RC airplanes near that facility. So were you there on site or were you off somewhere else? Yeah, Oshkosh was uh, was super interesting, and um, and and also their yeah their their recent interest in model aviation is is also really interesting. Um, yeah, we, where we personally were located, where our booth, where our, our kind of like our expo display was located, is we were in something that's called the Innovation Center, um, which is a big air conditioned tent, one of four of them. Uh, I believe one of them is called the Drone Center. One of them's the Forums. Um, there's another one. Uh, the name's escaping me at the moment, but, um, and that's located in something called Aviation Gateway Park, um, which is right, you know, right there. It's right there in the, the action, um, of Oshkosh. Um, and, uh, um, so that's where our kind of area was. Where we were flying, um, is a place that's over, for people that are familiar with, um, Oshkosh geography, it's, um, there's a, there's a smaller field, um, it's over by the EA Museum, um, and that's called Pioneer Field. Um, and, and it's what they do all day there is they run helicopters um, until about 8 o'clock at night. Um, they run helicopter rides all day. So there's three or four helicopters that are running in and out of there. But around 7.30, 8 o'clock when they shut those down, something they've been doing, I think it's just been this year and just this past year, so just the past two years, um, is they've been doing, they've been hosting model flying there. Um, and so, yeah, we were flying models at the, uh, the world's busiest airport. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to tell you, this this is new to me. I, you know, I don't try to fly within five miles in the airport. There's one of those rules I follow. But when I saw you guys mm-hmm. flying there, they, both of my worlds of a passion for full-scale aviation, especially like Warbirds, vintage stuff, too, that flies there, and being able to fly a model airplane, I, I, if they're going to do that next year, I've got that's my bucket list right there. To be able to do both. I think that would be a dream come true. And I was so jealous of you guys because it looked like it was a lot of fun. It, it was absolutely incredible. And, and I, um, you know, I used to go to Oshkosh as a kid. You know, we used to go, go there as a family vacation. Um, we went there for, for a lot of years back to back. But it's been about 10 years since I've been there. Um, and so it was it was cool to go there and see it and see how it's grown up. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a substantial event. I mean, it. Um, anytime you put, you know, half a million people in one area, you know, you, you think of that as big, but it's, it's really hard to comprehend until you're there. And once you're there, you don't even really fully comprehend how big it is. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the model flying definitely kind of, you know, perked up our ears and we've had a really, a really uh, good relationship with the EAA. Um, and, uh, they, you know, they really see... Um, I think is what they're starting to see is, 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 you know, model aviation as a tool to protect, you know, what they love, which is general aviation. Um, and, uh, you know, that they're, um, that the general aviation population is aging. You know, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, and they're seeing this huge influx in energy around model aviation. And so I think that a partnership there, you know, makes sense for a lot of reasons, you know, for AMA, a flight test or whatever the organization may be. Well, as yeah, a... I think for a lot of people, whether it's aviation world or even the space business I was in, model aviation is a, a gateway to that. Yeah. So f- for anybody who has any sort of interest in it, that's that's how you nurture it and, and build it. And as well, a fan of this hobby, thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for keeping the, the passion for both of those alive by being a representative for us. 
Yeah, and you know, honestly, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we I don't think we really even would would see ourselves in, in that position. Um, but you know, that it really is what it is. It's I mean, it's about inspiring, um, inspiring kids. You know, inspiring kids and, and making them understand you know what's what's possible and um what they actually can do with their own minds and their own hands and um you know if they can overcome the challenge of flight i mean uh really opens up a you know a kid's mind of, of what else they can achieve in life and and some of that's in the aviation industry and that's where i think uh you know there's a lot of interest from from general aviation and the space industry like like, like terry said and honestly there's lots of there's lots of crossovers and Science, technology, engineering, and math, and um, you know we're seeing a lot of uh, flight-based activities and uh, flight-based uh, uh, curriculums, honestly, in in schools now, which is which is also very exciting. Well, well, you guys have actually started something called Flight Test STEM, if I'm not correct. Yep, absolutely. Yep, we um, uh, and I can I can go on a little bit about that. I don't want to sidetrack too far from whatever your guys' agenda is, but I'm I'm happy to talk about it. You're our um, agenda. Okay, great. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> you, we have ways of making you talk. He is the Craigslist killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, yes, uh, flight flight test stem is, is something that we're we're really really excited here about at flight test. It's something that's kind of been a passion project of ours for the past couple of years. Um, uh, basically, is is what brought it about, and is what it is. It's a it's a curriculum. Um, it's a it's a curriculum that's based around flight that we developed, um, and it's uh, you know it can be anywhere from something that a you know a group of kids you know a, um, a youth group or a boy scout group or whatever it may be or a summer camp you know we we have you know educational modules modules that work for that, um, but the curriculum is very very broad and it's very very deep and actually it um, it can be um, taken as far as implemented into a classroom as an actual as an actual curriculum that meets. It meets about a dozen um, different uh, math and technology and, and science uh, national standards um, for the United States. Um, and so this is actually something that teachers can actually bring into their classroom and get it approved by their school administration um, and uh, start teaching, you know, essentially, you know, scratch building and uh, understanding aviation, and understanding RC flight. Um, and so... Is where all this kind of started is, is um, you know, as um, some people may know at Flight Test, you know, we sell little um, kind of DIY kits that you can build your own airplanes out of kind of simple common materials and see some quick success that way in the hobby. Um, and one thing that we started seeing with a lot of these kits is that we would, were selling, you know, 20 and 30 and 50 at a time, and the addresses were oftentimes schools. Um, and so we saw that schools were kind of, you know, catching on to the concept and you know, I think is what it really is, is there's probably, you know, a good percentage of flight test fans that are, you know, teachers and they're already scratch building and we're thinking, you know, gosh, how can I get this into my into my classroom? And there was one teacher out in Colorado that really, you know, exceeded um, just in every way and excelled and, and, and did things with, you know, scratch building and common materials and foam board that we, you know, and kids that we really didn't think, you know, anybody else was doing that at that level out there. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but um, his group is called the uh, the Mesa RC Foam Fighters um, out there in, in Denver, Colorado, or Loveland, Colorado. Um, and he started putting up, you know, YouTube videos of his classroom of, you know, basically his his kids. Um, um, they, they were doing anything from just building and flying flight test planes to, 
um, getting in CAD and designing their own airplanes, and they were cutting them out in laser cutters and uh, you know producing their own kits and um, decorating them, and it was just they were just doing some absolutely astounding things. And so naturally, we had to get in touch with this guy, uh, Jake Marshall, who is a, a teacher that was leading that classroom, and uh, we've been working with him for about two years now to try to replicate or make it easier to replicate what he was doing in his classroom and classrooms all across the United States. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so that, that's basically where Flight Test STEM came in, and that's kind of where it's evolved from. Uh, if people want to find out more about it, they can go to flighttteststem.com. We kind of broke it out into its own little website, um, and uh, that's where you can find about more about the curriculum and um, there's definitely there's free stuff to download and there's little modules that people can just kind of get samples of but yeah we're, we're really excited about it and um, as of this month um, we have 500 active uh, teachers and students that are in our system that are using it um, and so we're, we're hoping to see that grow a lot here in um, the final quarter of 2016 and, and hope, hopefully see it grow exponentially here in 2017. Well, 500 is a big number. I'm impressed. Yeah, we, um, you know, we, we weren't really sure what to expect. <laughs> I mean, this is something that we, you know, we were going to build it and support it and, and grow it slowly, slowly if need be, you know, for a long time. But the response really has been, has been pretty overwhelming to it. And, um, and really, you don't see a ton of it, like on the, uh, the flight test channel, you know, on our YouTube channel or any of that. Uh, we have done some, you know, some limited promotion for it, but, I think uh, you're definitely going to be, be seeing more of it um, in our our regular content, uh, and I think is what we're going to be doing is some of the classrooms um, that are just absolutely killing it and doing an awesome job. I think we're going to include some classroom footage, like into our um, uh, our weekly vlogs that we've been doing and stuff like that, um, to really showcase you know what's going on because I think it's important to you know for parents and for teachers and for influencers to, to see what these other people are doing because uh, it's really amazing and honestly it's 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 pretty accessible you know it's not um, you don't have to have a ton of you know extensive RC knowledge you know to really to really pull this off so right well kind of related to that and I want to get to the flu tuck stuff but in 50 words or less Describe the differences between what flight test is today as a whole compared to the day you sat down at a conference table six years ago and said, this is what we want to do. Uh, well, that's um, uh, that's a good question. Did you envision selling kits or STEM or, or any of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I can probably make it a lot less than, than 50 words and say that the... Uh, um, the difference is, is really the community that we've built around it. Um, and because that's something that didn't exist, you know, however many years ago that uh, we launched our very first video. Um, really is, is what existed when we launched, it, launched the very first video was curiosity. You know, just seeing, you know, what people responded to, what people were excited about. Um, and that's what we keep continuing to do. Um, but really, you know, what is where STEM comes from and is where you know, products that we sell in our store and content that we create, um, that all comes from one place, and that's just really community requests. Um, so it's um, it's not really built up to, you know, to any particular, um, to any particular rocket science or, um, uh, you know, any particular formula that we can really share. Other than that, you know, we just do our best to listen and be really good listeners. And 
when we see that, you know, there's a group of people that could really benefit from X feature, you know, we do everything that we can to, to bring X feature, you know, to our community. And when we see that, you know, there's some big excitement around STEM and there's an opportunity to get, you know, flight and aviation and get our foot in the door there, you know, that's something we're going to try to do. So definitely not everything that we've responded to with our community has worked or has gone how we thought it would. Um, but overall, you know, it's a really good um, guide, you know, for us. And we, we try to pay attention to that. And sorry, I guess that was more than 50 words. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. All right. So a recent thing you've done is the flug talk. And am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. I'm, I don't speak German, but I, uh, we can call it flight day. I think that's what it, <laughs> I think that's what it stands for in German, but, or in English. Okay. Now, that was something that I was aware of before. I'd seen little snippets and things like that, but I'm not really up to speed on what it is. So can you give us the, the cliff notes on that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Flugtag is um, is a competition that's been put on uh, by Red Bull. Um, they've done, I think they've done like 150 some of these competitions all over the world. Uh, the first one was uh, near the Red, Red Bull headquarters in Austria. Um, but, uh, yeah, essentially is what it is. It's, um, a bunch of, uh, it's a mix of some very brave and silly people, uh, pushing something that they've made off a 30 foot dock and, uh, hoping that it flies or hoping that it entertains or a little bit of both. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it essentially is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a very loose term for it, but it's basically a, a home built glider competition. Um, and you're, you're judged on three different categories. So you're judged on uh, your creativity, uh, you're judged on your performance, um, and you're judged on uh, your actual flight distance. Um, performance so, in what sense? Uh, uh, performance as in showmanship. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so so your, actual, uh, your actual performance as you uh, plummet off the dock, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> that explains the Pokemon costumes then, huh? Yes, exactly, yep. So some people take, you know, the creativity and showmanship side of it very seriously um, and the flight portion of it not so much. Um, and so that's why you see so many epic fail videos of, uh, of Flugtog machines uh, not doing best. It seems like there's very little people that actually enter the competition that have an understanding of, you know, little things like, like CG and, you know, some of that important stuff you gotta you got to know about <laughs> before you're going to throw somebody off a dock. Um, so I was going to ask, now you guys did this in Boston recently, of the groups that were there, how many do you think made legitimate attempts to create a flying machine? Um, I would say that there was probably, um, of the 30 teams that entered, I would say that there was maybe five that had a legitimate chance of doing really, really well as, as far as flight distance goes. Um, and there was maybe 10... Uh, 15 that had a good understanding of, you know, at least some sort of aerodynamic principles <laughs> of, of flight. Um, and then, you know, the rest are, you know, very silly, very over the top, great theme, you know, clearly a lot of time spent on their, their craft, but just not a, a whole lot of effort put into aerodynamics. Um, which is, if you've seen, you know, any Fluke Dog Highlight Reels, that's very common. Um, that's, that's probably about the right ratio. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's really, um, 
I, I don't think even competition is really uh, the right word for it, just because it's you know there's so much left up to chance. Um, that's in the uh, um, just as far as you know what what kind of headwind are you going to have, or what kind of or if you're going to have a headwind, and um, you know how fast you're able to get going. Are you going to launch straight? Or are you going to launch with your wings level? Or is everything going to hold up how you thought it was going to? And so yeah, I was wondering if you guys might have worked with an Olympic bobsled trainer or something to get your, <laughs> your launch going. Well, yeah. a- actually, if you if you look at some of the highlights from the the Boston Flug Talk, there's um uh, there's some really uh, scary launches there at the very beginning of the competition. Um, there was one where uh, I think it was the dragon themed one. There was one that that launched up really rapidly, and it was a really light girl that was flying it, and she almost went into this behind and into the side of the barge or the platform that they had built there um and that was because of some really strong gusting headwinds um and that was one of the teams that we thought you know had built something that was really aerodynamically responsible and had a really good shot at at doing very well so actually later in the day when it was our turn to go they were um encouraging people to you know to push you know about half the speed you were planning on doing it they actually decreased the, the 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 runway area the room that you had to run they decreased that by half um so they really were taking some precautions because uh, if you're red bull if you're the event organizer you're not as concerned with record times you're more concerned with keeping people safe so um, sure. so if somebody's going to have a bad flight because they didn't get to push as hard you don't really care about that you know you just want people to be safe so i i think that on the day you know we probably could have done a lot better with our flight, I think our flight ended up at like uh, I think it was seventy feet approximately. Um, the world record being I think two hundred and fifty some feet. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's been some really remarkable flights, um, and uh, um, so our, ours was the furthest of that particular competition. But um, so that's a two to one glide ratio, a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. We'll take it. It's kind of falling the style, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It was and it so, was stylish. Yeah, I think we f- forgot to mention that you, in fact, won the competition in two categories. Yeah, we did. We were really fortunate to uh, to run away with the uh, the People's Choice Award, which was you know more or less a social media competition, and um, and then uh, we were also fortunate to win uh, to win first place yeah, at the event. So um, I guess that we had just the right blend of <laughs> technique and zaniness and. Uh, wind conditions and all that uh, to win it. So we were really excited about that. I'd like to chime in and say I've I've watched Red Bull in the past and I have was keeping up with your setup when y'all were posting information about it, what y'all were doing, and the production level of your video that you made is incredible. I mean, not not just the actual the day of Flugtag, uh, but the video you made of the assembly. And I... I know we'll post these videos on our podcast, but I encourage anybody who has not seen a flight test video or has not seen them recently, these are really well done. I, I loved like some of the last minute changes you made to your airship, like concerning the uh, epinage, you'll have to change the, the rudder at the last minute. It just kind of goes to show you things change on the fly, and it was very impressive. I, as a modeler, it was neat to watch you assemble that and then put it to flight, so... Kudos to the hard work you guys did, not only for putting the video together, but for winning the competition. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, and yeah, we um, uh, for people that you know that may may check out the video. I mean, 
but really is what we did is we just kind of used you know um, skills and experience from from people here at flight test to really build up a, a really big model airplane <laughs> i mean that um, you know we used a lot of techniques that i think people will find familiar that if anyone's done some scratch building or worked on a project like that i mean um, pretty much all the techniques were used were were really close um, to most uh, model aviators tool belt so um, it, might, it might be fun to see well, it come together the first time i saw a cessna wing pulled apart i'm like hey <laughs> That's just like the ones I built at home. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> just with some different certifications. <laughs> now, in relation to that, just who who comes up with the goofy ideas that you guys do? I mean, who sits there and says, you know what would be fun? To fly a microwave or to build a Death Star. I mean, <laughs> where does that come from? Uh, you know... It's it. There's real. There's real no pattern <laughs> from where the inspiration comes from. Is there a Specs liquor um, next door to you guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. Lots of alcohol and uh, other chemicals, right? <laughs> or, or I think maybe the better question is: Is there an idea that comes up and you're like, no, no, that's just too crazy. We can't do that. Yeah, you know, the, there's not so much of those. It's it, it's more more ideas get shot down just because they're way too time consuming. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, know, you know, we put out uh, uh, we put out well now we put out four up you know four videos a week. Um, wow! And so it's that's a pretty tight turnaround when you know for the the actual people that are on camera and on video. You know, there's there's only about you know six to eight of us, um, and so it's it takes a lot of a lot of manpower just to, to keep going what we have going here. And so sometimes we do think of a really cool far out there idea and we just think, ah, that's a, that's a month long project and we really need a two week long project. So that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff hits the cutting floor that way. Well, I wanted to ask if you guys were planning to do another flu tug or if, if that was it. Uh, we would absolutely love to. Um, we had a we had a great experience and and definitely you know winning it was uh was icing on the cake. But uh, well, your budget was, was only five hundred dollars. I mean, come on, do go for one more foot and go for five hundred and twenty dollars this time. <laughs> there you go. You got it. You got it. Uh, well, it's actually what we would we would like to do is we would like to um uh, do another flug talk, but in some way involve our um, STEM program and involve some kids with uh, uh, thinking about it and, and, and building it. And because um, whether um, you win or lose, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to help but cheer on some kids. So um, sure. Uh, so I think that that if we took another crack at it, we would probably involve our STEM program in, in some way, shape, or form. So um, we are not opposed to it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> are those annual events? Um, I think they. Worldwide, I think they hold. This is very loose, but I, I want to say they hold about a dozen worldwide. Um, so I think the the two in the U.S. that were this year were were Boston and Louisville, Kentucky. I think they were like a week apart. Um, so next year they haven't announced anything yet, but we'll definitely keep our ear to the ground on that. You guys have any other big oh. events you're going to be coming up attending in the near future? Um, we. Um, we are attending less and less events, um, just because, uh, you're hosting you know, more and more events. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. That, that's definitely part of it. Um, and, uh, so the next event that we'll be hosting, um, is we're planning on doing, um, a, uh, a West coast flight fest. Um, that'll be, um, we just had a meeting about it not too long ago. It's looking like late March is where that's going to be, it's where that's going to be shaping up. So, 
if anybody has any interest in, in coming out to that, uh, it will probably be in Sacramento area. Um, that's going to be um, late March, and you can tune into flightfest.com to, to stay up to date with that. You know, you know what I'm thinking, Austin? I think a Texas fest would be really good for your books. So, you know, <laughs> think about that. Toss it on the table. Get down here to Texas. you got three guys here who will uh, attend for you. We'll, we'll get the word out, but let's just make it right dead center so we can all get there. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, that's definitely been something that's been on the drawing board. So, Texas loves flight tests. Just remember that. So <laughs> you guys come down and visit Texas. Duly noted. Just don't make it in August. Fitz works around okay. NASA, so we can make a big NASA thing, and maybe he can get his, his troop to do that. My club is uh, in the middle of nowhere, so I, I wouldn't vote for my club, but I mean, you're welcome to come. But I... Then maybe we can get you guys down to best, so that'd be fun. But yeah, get a get a Texas event going, and we'll we'll put the word out. Well, Flight Fest <laughs> is definitely something we want to uh, we want to get you know to as many places as we can, and so a uh, Flight Fest South, you know, that has a has a nice ring to it. Woohoo! <laughs> and it's all because of me, guys. <laughs> My idea. <laughs> and you well, you could put it in Austin, Austin, and then get get double credit. There you go. Exactly. I think they named that place after me. <laughs> I don't know, Austin, if you know this, but both Lee and Terry have sons named Austin. Oh, very nice. It well, wasn't on purpose. A great name. <laughs> I don't know. Was, a, was there a discount? It's like, on the oh name man, Austin? you named your kid Austin. Dang damn it! I'm gonna change my kid's name now. <laughs> Actually, I, I I met a uh, I met a kid at. Um, at uh, a flight fest, um, and uh, or actually, he was uh, one of our one of our key volunteers there. His name's Austin, and uh, I was told him I was like, well, I was like, we can't we can't have two Austins around. I was like, I'm just not used to that. And he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, he's he's from Fort Worth, Texas. He's like, there's probably 15 people in my graduating class whose names are Austin. And I was like, well, that's something <laughs> I'm not used to up here. <laughs> yeah, it's a popular name around these parts. No, doubt. it's a good no name, doubt. by golly. So yeah, come come visit your namesake. Come down here to Austin, and we'll, uh, we'll have a welcome. I know I know a guy in Austin. We'll we'll get you set up. Right. He's one of us. Austin, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Uh, we actually talked more uh, about things we we weren't prepared for, but it was certainly great to hear more about the uh, the the training class that flight test is trying to put together uh, i love talking to you about oshkosh i really look forward if i can next year to, to join you guys if you do that again and congratulations again on your on your fluke dog uh again great videos i hope everybody gets a chance to watch it you you guys deserved it thank guys thank you guys i really appreciate it and uh thanks so much for having me on well thank you so much for joining you us bet. all right take care guys all right, bye bye-bye I, I thought great. that was pretty good. Yeah. I loved yeah. that he jumped on the EAA thing. That, that really did surprise me. I, I never would have thought that, that they would allow model aviation at that event. I mean, I I still feel there's some tension between, what do you call them? Um, uh, well, commercial pilots. There's another word he used in his conversation. Mm. Uh, designated pilots? No, something else. Um, no. Anyway, I, I just never thought that they would allow that. And the fact that I saw planes flying there, I was like, man, what a great way to get those kids who go to Oshkosh with their parents and see these aircraft and go, wow, I can do that and get, you know, fly these World War II birds that look similar. Or, in fact, some of them be replicas of the planes that were actually there. Um, gosh, I, I it, it, my wife would tell you, she's told me several times to go, and I just keep 
I don't know, getting things in the way, life, kids, <laughs> money, so, uh, those things, those minor things. But so, now that I know they're there, it, it makes me want to take the drive, put some planes in my car, hang out with flight tests, hang out with some friends that I know that do the actual um, you know, EAA Air Venture displays. And gosh, what a, what a, there's a road trip, guys, right there. I'm putting it out there next year. <laughs> road trip. Just do it. Road trip. <laughs> I'm not against it. <laughs> you're, it doesn't mean I'm for it, but I'm not against hey, Terry, it. Terry, you're on the way. You can just swing right by and pick you up. Uh, I am today. I'm not sure that I will be a year from now. Oh, well, that's true. So, but I, heck, I might live in watch uh, uh, Oshkosh next year. Yeah, that's possible. But there was my reboot. Now, I now I've been to Oshkosh, and including fairly recently, and this model airplane thing is very new. I, I think you touched on that that it's only been the past year or two because. There certainly wasn't any mention of model airplanes last time I was there. and I, Yeah, it is not intuitive. No. Like he said, you the busiest airport in the world, which is yeah, kind of the opposite of what you would think. But that's awesome that they were able to coordinate it. The place he mentioned, I know exactly where that is, too, and there weren't any model airplanes when I was there. It looked like a, a large area. I mean, I was surprised when I saw some of the videos coming down from Flight Test's uh, subscription on YouTube. Um they, I just didn't expect to see so many aircraft, but boy, I, what a what a great way to get this hobby to stay, yeah. you know, stay out there. Now, now, from what I understand, the EAA has always been pr- pretty friendly to the model aviation community. It's really the FAA. That's my understanding. Yes, and I think EAA even um, offered some sort of partnership with the AMA at some point. And I think um, so. It's really our beef is with the FAA and not the EAA, which is. Uh, oh, and I didn't. I didn't mean to say that, but I'm, I know that there are some pilots who are EAA, oh, sure. uh, you know, part of EAA that that w- still want. They're not, I'm not saying they're against model aviation. I, I hope I didn't mean to, to put that out there. I'm just saying they want to keep the airspace separated for the two, so they are firm believers of the five mile radius, and that's it. I'm not. I, I, again, I do have a great passion for the EAA, and I know that they're trying. To, that's that's their goal. You know, experimental aircraft. You know, association. They're trying mm-hmm. to get. I mean, gosh, they're one of their facilities, and, I, and Fitz, you've seen it, I haven't, I know is, is for kids. You know, it's for the kids to come in and build model airplanes. Oh, I yeah, just yeah. never thought I'd see them flying during the event. So yeah. that was the only comment. I, I Please retract my previous in, incorrect statement, if, no, if, no, you, no. if that's what I said. No, no, I don't think it was incorrect. I just, we just wanted to clarify some things. And they probably had some height restrictions and a few other things to make sure things didn't get out of whack. But that is really impressive they allowed model airplanes there. That's well, great. we got to go. If we're gonna, if we're gonna make a name for ourselves, I think we should be, you know, the the baby brother to flight <laughs> <Yeah>. test. And <laughs> yeah. you know, we need to, we need to get the spot right next door, and we're gonna call it Flight Best. <laughs> very similar looking banner. We're gonna sell everything for ten cents less. Well, we should just <laughs> so we're the knockoff, the flight test knockoffs. We're, right, we're the hobby king of whatever. Of flight test. <laughs> well, again, that should be our road trip. Great conversation. I hope uh, those of you out there who have not had a chance to uh, watch some of the flight test videos, uh, go online to their YouTube. It's flight test, F-L-I-T-E-T-E-S-T. Some great stuff. And again, catch up with the the Flugtag videos. Uh, But for myself and Terry and Fitz, thanks so much for listening to episode 11. And we look forward to chatting with you guys uh, in about a week. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas 
can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOF LP Las Vegas.